Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Mind, hosted by serial entrepreneur and author Mark Kramer. Tune into The Best Business Minds to listen to thought-provoking interviews with best-selling business book authors who are today's leading innovators, entrepreneurs, and industry experts from around the globe. Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Minds, where we interview business leaders and academics that write thought-provoking books. I'm Mark Kramer, serial entrepreneur who consults with family businesses and entrepreneurs. Today, we have a former Entrepreneur of the Year, Natasha Davis, who is the author of Unleash Your Millionaire Mindset and Build Your Brand. Natasha, welcome. And I'm just thrilled to have you here today. And I have to say, I really enjoyed your book. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm so happy you enjoyed uh, my book. I uh, That's why I write it. I want to make sure that people are receiving it and it's actually touching their life. So thank you. And it's very practical. I mean, that's what I like. There's not a lot of BS in this book. And anybody who's been an entrepreneur can relate to everything that you wrote in this book. Like, that's how you know it's true. So let's talk about your background. Would you give uh, the audience some of your background? So I started as a registered nurse in emergency care, and that was my first profession. I I literally came out of um, high school. I knew what I wanted to do. I went and I got my degree in nursing, and I practiced as a bedside clinical registered nurse for many years. And while I was practicing, I got bit by the entrepreneurship bug, but I continued to fight it because I said, well, you're a registered nurse. That's what you went to school for. Don't be ridiculous. You know, don't look to the left or the right. And so I kept looking. I kept gazing. And then I started to dip my toe into entrepreneurship. And I found out that I absolutely loved it. I found out that it was something that just resonated with me. And so I crossed over into being a business owner. Now, here's the truth of the matter of it, right, Mark? I didn't go full-time, full force into entrepreneurship because I really didn't know if this was really my thing. So I did it part-time and continued to love it and found out that I was really, really, really good at it. Um, I hit a crossroads where I felt like I was I was I was literally killing myself because I was working as a registered nurse, working as business. I had two different worlds and I really got tired of it. And so I crossed over to full time business ownership a little over 16 years ago. And now today, I can um, really honestly say I have uh, been so honored and blessed to serve clients in over 16 plus states um, and also in about three or four plus countries. Um, I've been able to publish three books and get recognized by President Barack Obama with the Lifetime Achievement Award and uh, so many other things. So I'm really excited about what we do and um, just looking for the next journey as well. Well, I have to tell you, we can unplug the electricity in the grid and plug you in. So if anybody turns off the electricity from another country, some hacker will just plug you in and we'll be in good Fire me up. That's right. Why did you write this book? You know, here's the real the thing of it. I wrote Be Unleashed because I realized that there was this opportunity that existed in the marketplace. I, I personally looked for some form of a resource to guide me through my transition, to guide me to that next stage. And when I looked for that particular resource, that whole practical resource where I can actually apply the information in real time, I found books that talked about things from 10, 15 years ago. I talked about books that that had, they talked about things where you started at your first million and up. They didn't talk about things where you were trying to get to your first million, you know, and I'm in total transparency, right? I didn't hit my first six figures yet. I was trying to figure it out. So I couldn't find anything to help me to hit my first six figures. Everything was starting from the point of a million and up. And so I said, well, you know something as a problem solver, if I can't find it, I'm just going to go ahead and create it. So when I sat down and I started writing Be Unleashed, I wrote it with the intent that I'm sitting down and I'm talking to a fellow person one on one. And so I didn't write it with the intent that I was speaking to the world. I wrote it with the intent that I was sitting across the table from someone and I was literally digesting how did I go from point A to point B? Here are the learning lessons. Here are the things um, that I uh, learned along the way. The key thing that I discovered is when we step into entrepreneurship, people forget to tell us the truth. They lie. (laughs) They lie. They They forget to tell us the truth. They forget to tell us 
that our family's not going to support us. They forget to tell us that, you know something, if you don't be careful, you're not going to get paid first. They forget to tell us that, you know what, the workforce will not be committed to you. They forget to tell us that you're going to lose sleep. You have agreed to forfeit sleep for the next however. If they told you that, you wouldn't do it. Right. It's like they forget to tell you these things. Right. They forget to tell you that you're going to give more than you're going to get in the beginning. They forget to tell you that your business won't be as good to you as you've been to it. And so when I got to the place where I figured this thing out, I said, you know what? I need to help other people to be unleashed because the worst thing that can happen is you have this big, great vision and this awesome goal. And you want to accomplish it, but you keep getting knocked down. You keep getting punched in the, the chin. You keep getting slapped. And after a while, if you get knocked down enough and you don't have a way to figure out how to get back up, what do you do? You stop getting up. You stop getting up. And so I don't want entrepreneurs who have a true heart and passion to have a, vi a viable, profitable, sustainable business to ever get knocked down and not know how to get back up. That's why I wrote Be Unleashed. So, and why this, and I do like the title, but why don't you pick this title? This title was from my heart space. Um, I, when I wrote this book, I literally was in a place of, I was in this place of disconnect. Um, I, I started writing and I had to stop because I was in this place of disconnect. And I was in a point, I, I had hit a crossroads where at the time I was married and my ex-husband came in the day after my birthday and he says, I don't really want to do this marriage thing anymore. And we were together yeah. for 12 years. And I'm thinking, are you joking? <laughs> this is a joke, right? Is this one of your jokes? He wasn't joking. He was dead serious. And I completely lost my identity and I didn't know what to do. I, I really couldn't figure it out. My brain stopped working. And it was at the point where I came to the place where I remember this one day, clear as day, I was, I was on my sofa. I just felt defeated, right? Mark, I was defeated. I felt like just screw it, you know, throw my hands up in the air, screw it. I mean, everything, nothing was working. And I was on my sofa just completely defeated. And I was, I was, I was feeding myself with a lot of food. I was eating pizza <laughs> on pizza and wings. And listen, if your hand crossed my mouth, you're going to lose a nub. You're gonna <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laid out on the sofa and I just, I picked up my phone and I, I sent for a pizza and, you know, I went to the door, I unlocked the door, moved around. And I just threw myself back on the sofa because my intent was, I had no intention on getting back up again. It was too much to get back up again, to open the door. The doorbell rang and I'm yelling, come in, come in, you know, like old granny, <laughs> come in, just yeah. get in here, right? <laughs> the guy comes in and he's like, hello. I'm like, just bring the pizza here. And I didn't move. I'm laid out on the sofa. And I said, leave the pizza here. And he goes, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. Just go on, right? And here's the thing. I heard the door close, but I never knew if he really left. And I, it, my brain kicked in and I'm like, girl, what are you doing? And I sat up and I said, hello, and no answer. And I mean, chills ran down my spine because I felt for me, I had hit rock bottom. And I got up and I looked and said, hello, and no one answered. And when I looked, he did leave. He did leave. And that was the moment that slapped me upside my head that said, you need to get up and get your life together because you have been put on this earth to do amazing things. You need to unleash your gift. And that's where that came from. And it was in 2015 where literally I got myself together. I walked into my office and I started typing, opened my, my laptop and I started typing. And that was the evolution of the woman that you see before you today. That's the Be Unleashed. Be Unleashed is an entire movement. Well, you're more than unleashed, that I can tell you. Um, <laughs> what was it, why was it so important for you to become rich as opposed to professionally successful and content? Because you already were professionally successful and content. So why the rich part? You know, here's the thing. And um, yes, I was professionally successful, but I was dissatisfied. I wasn't fulfilled because okay. I had a piece of me that was not being used. I had this power and this innate gift that I was not deploying in the universe. It was a piece of me. And so to be honest though, Mark, it wasn't even that I set out to be rich. It's I, I set out to be powerful. 
and effective. And so along came that was with the wealth that came along with that. And so what I actually set out to do was to take all the awesomeness that I have been gifted with and to deploy it out into the universe. And in me deploying it to the universe, I was able to serve the companies and the people that needed the gift that I was holding. See, that's the thing that we as entrepreneurs, when we step into, we are all cargoes. We're all carrying something that each one of us needs that no one else can give us. And so therefore, as a cargo, I had to immerse myself into the universe so that I can serve on a higher level. And by way of me serving on a higher level, that's where the wealth then came from. So intentionally, I never sought out to be rich. I sought out to be impactful and powerful in the universe. I wanted to deploy my gifts. And a lot of people do seek to be rich. And I find that you have to turn on the right lens for that. If you're seeking to be rich for self-serving, you're going to be you're going to be disappointed. But if you're seeking to be rich so that you can serve on a higher level, you're going to be able to be very fulfilled. Because back then, I wasn't able to do the things that I can do now. Back then, I wasn't able to give. Back then, I wasn't able to launch um, other products. Back then, I wasn't able to hire people, right, and pay them fair wage. Now, right. I'm able to do that. And so that is the difference. When we have the money to do the things to make an impact, that is why we need to be unleashed. That's why we need to have those set targets to get there, especially as we journey from being a solopreneur to shifting to being a CEO. Not only is there a mental journey, there's also a financial journey as well. And we have to hit those, mar those, those marks and those targets as well. So what's the difference between, and you talk about this in the book, what's the difference between being self-employed and being a businesswoman? Oh man, let me tell you what, it is It is something. Let me tell you, when we start out as a self-employed person, always remember that means that you are working for yourself, right? And, and that means that most likely, most self-employed people, you're not very good bosses. <laughs> you, you know, you're not really that good, right? You're wearing right. way too many hats, right? So when we step into being self-employed or, or like a solopreneur, it's just you yourself, right? And Normally what happened is you really don't have any solid structure. You're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. You're working, you're giving everything you have, but you don't really have a clear vision. And the problem there is you don't make enough money to really carry yourself over to the next level. You're probably under 90,000, probably about 50, 60,000, right? However, you can't affect change at the 50 or $60,000 mark or even the $90,000 mark. Why? Because your business will cost you money every single day of the month, every single day of the month whether you have a, cus a customer or not, but you don't make enough to pay you, pay somebody else, pay the business, right? And so being a solopreneur is, is a place that we all start at, but you have to evolve to push through it. Now, when we step and we start to move along the threshold and we journey to entrepreneurship and then we journey to co-creator and then we journey down through business owner and CEO, once you get through that journey and you hit the CEO level, that's where you've cracked the million dollar mark and you're probably doing about one to three million. But here's what's the difference. Now there's infrastructure, there's systems and processes. You're able to touch other ventures, launch other projects that you have. And on top of that, the company can run without you. I remember the time where I couldn't go not even four hours without the company running without me. Now I can go away for a whole month and the business will continue to operate without my presence. I don't have to touch it every day. Uh, one of the guests uh, in the audience is wondering, uh, Mark, I'm wondering about her background in nursing, all the effort and time she spends studying to be a nurse. Did she incorporate that into her career or leave it all behind? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for asking that question. I sunk my teeth into it and I hung on to it and I drug it over into my business world. My nursing background as an emergency nurse taught me to do a lot of things. It taught me to be a critical thinker. It taught me to be a problem solver. It taught me to have empathy and compassion, but it also taught me to look at people as a whole unit as opposed to pieces. So now when I crossed over into business, I brought those same exact principles over. So what I tell people is back then I was saving lives. Now I'm saving companies. And so I brought the two principles, I merged them together. Here's the piece of the puzzle that we always wanna remember. 
every experience that we have encountered in life, both personally and professionally, has groomed us to be a better business owner along the way. So we don't have to leave anything on the table. Everything that I learned and got my master's in nursing and got my master's in business, and now I'm actually studying law, so I'll be an attorney in a couple years. Let me tell you something. Everything that I've learned from beginning, it has brought me to the place where I can be who I am today. That's why I've earned the title, the chief visionary. I've earned the title. You know, when clients see me, they call me their angel. I mean, I just blush, you know, I get to blush when I hear that, but it warms my soul because that means I have put everything together, packaged it. And then I'm now able to serve people on a higher level. So no, everything came with me. Everything. Did you find it hard to be taken seriously as a black woman running a business? I mean, women oh, yeah. in general have a hard time, but being also black on top of it. Oh, the- yeah. Oh, yeah. I sure did. Let and me- how did you convince people to take you seriously? You know what I did? And that's, I remember I'll give you a perfect story. I remember I was in a meeting and I was the only I, first of all, I was the only black woman there and the only woman, period. All right. So on top of that, I had a double edged sword coming on here. Right. So I'm sitting here and I'm brought in and I'm brought in as the strategist. And I remember um, there was a gentleman there. He looked at me, older gentleman, white gentleman, been around for a while. He looked at me. He goes, what do you know about strategy anyway? And I just looked at him. I said, well, I know enough to be sitting in this seat. And he goes, but you're a nurse. I said, indeed. And I said, so if you have a heart attack, I can help you. And if your business doesn't sustain, I can help it. And so they didn't really, you know, he didn't like my response, but everyone else did. And that particular day helped me to remember, you know, something I will never compete for my seat at the table based on color or gender. I will always compete and claim my seat at the table based on my intellectual property and my ability to get results. And so as a black woman and also a Caribbean, because I'm Jamaican, right? So as Uh a Caribbean woman stepping into that role, I'm always faced with the whole, what do you know anyway? Can you really do it? I've had people question me about my ability to actually get results, even though they have seen it and whatever, I have questioned it. And I usually let them get their question out. And then I actually turn the tables and pose it back to them. If you were able to solve these issues without me, why am I here? And why do you still have the problem? And so when I leave it there, they're like, well, she's a cheeky one, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) That's part of your charm. So what was the hardest part of going from employee to employer? Mindset, the mindset going from employee. So here, here's what I remember. I remember I sat at, I was here, you know, when I came to, I'm sitting at my desk and, you know, that was back in the day, y'all, when you had phones on the desk, like physical phones you can pick up. (laughs) I'm sitting at my desk and I got this phone, I got a phone line and I am waiting for the phone to ring. The phone's not ringing. And I'm like, did the bill get paid? I'm picking it up, listening for the dial tone. It's working. And then I'm like, what's wrong? Why is no one calling me? And I realized, hello, Goofy, you have still been sitting in the place as an, as an employee, more so as a nurse. And let me tell you what I mean. As a nurse, I never had to hunt for anything. I didn't have to hunt for patients to come in. If you needed me, you knew where to find me. So therefore, when I stepped into business, I kept that same mindset. I never transitioned. And so here I am sitting in my office and I'm like, if you need me, come find me. Well, how many of you know that that is not going to work in business? (laughs) You, You need to go let some people know that you're available for service and for hire. And so that was the biggest thing. It was mindset. You know what? We, we all heard about imposter syndrome, right? We all heard about imposter syndrome. That is real. That is real because until you learn how to tell yourself who you are and where you're going, there's a phrase that I stepped into. It's called, I have, I am, and I must. And whenever I feel that, that shift of, okay, am I qualified? Yeah. You know what? You better, Natasha, you better get it together. I have done this. I am qualified. I must accomplish. So, you know, you have to begin to feed yourself that way, but mindset, mindset, 
will be the biggest thing and the primary thing that will shackle someone down from moving forward to the next level. I remember I woke up one day, I probably was doing about 200,000 and I was hanging out there for a long time. Um, And I didn't like it because I felt that I was worthy of more because I'm deserving of more. And I asked myself, what is wrong with you? What's stopping you from getting to half a million? Are you not worthy? Can you not, do you not have the skill set? Are you missing some kind of intellectual problem? What do you need to get to your first half million? What is your problem? And I sat down and I tried to put all the cute little excuses. None of them made sense. It was mindset. Because at the end of the day, business is good or bad in your mind. It has nothing to do with what's outside. It's in your mind. And if you know that you're qualified and you know that you are able to service and you know that you're building an enterprise, then there's nothing in the world that can stop you. There's no objection that can hinder you. There's no, there's no obstacle. There's no mountain that can prevent you. You put on such a different mindset, you will go through any wall, knock down any mountain and accomplish any goal that you have in front of you. There's nothing that stopped me from getting to my first half million. It was me. It was a mindset thing. So I'm going to um, skip forward here and and circle back to some of these other business issues. But the title, which I think attracted a lot of people, which is about branding yourself. How do you define branding? Uh, Explain your definition of branding. My definition of branding is the promise and the guarantee that you're making to customers every single day. That's the clean version, right? That's the that's the clean, straightforward, without the Wikipedia dictionary thesaurus. That's really what it is. When you develop a brand, we have to develop something that's consumable. We have to become a habit. And a brand, when developed correctly, becomes a habit. It becomes a habit to your marketplace. So what is a habit? A habit is something that you just do, right? I habitually drink coffee every morning. I'm getting coffee. (laughs) The day's not getting started without my coffee, right? That's a habit of mine, right? We, everyone has a certain habit. So when you think about a habit, always convert that to how do I make my brand a habit in the marketplace? And to my customers. So to me, building a brand, very simply simply put, is becoming a habit in the marketplace. And so can anybody become a brand to be, you know, can someone make themselves into a brand or do you become a brand because you become known for something? You have to become known for something. Now, you can become known for something good or something bad, but you will become known for something, right? So let me put something on the table and I actually pull this example out and be unleashed. Hitler was a brand. He wasn't a good brand, but he was a brand. And he had what? Followers. He had followers. He became a habit. Now turn the tables around. Oprah is a brand. She's a brand of good. And she has followers, right? And so when you think about this, anyone can become a brand. It depends on what you want to be a brand of. If you're an individual, you can become an individual brand. So every brand, every entity, every brand, you want to accomplish four things. You're going to have the personal, you got the product, you got the service brand, you, and you, you, know, you also have the people brand, the company brand itself. Every brand has these four elements to it. And so, yes, you can become a brand. It, what's, it's what do you want to be known for? Are you going to? Here's the other thing I like to say. I remember back in the day, I was okay with being recognized as a consultant because that's what I saw. That's what I knew. Um, that's that's just what it was. However, as I fast forward and I moved into the next stage of business and I started to understand things and I studied branding and I studied what branding was and what it was not, I said, wait a second, a consultant, that's too daggone generic. They don't know what I do. They don't know what result I'm bringing to the table. So I immediately redefined that whole piece of the puzzle for myself so that it could be redefined and put clear out into the marketplace. And so therefore I am not really looked at or designed as a consultant. I am a brand strategist. I'm a strategist. That's what it is. The industry I sit in is consulting. I am a brand strategist. 
And so you always want to know what do you want to be known for? Um, if you are, say, for instance, you're a speaker and you're a professional speaker, well, what's going to be your speaker brand? What will you be known for? There are some speakers that hit the market and the waves and they're known for their, you know, their spice and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you have other people that are known for different things. You want to know what you want to be known for, even as an author. I knew that what I wanted to be known for, I don't write novels. Like Natasha done released three, four, 500 page books. Like that's not happening, right? (laughs) But I I like to release books that you can actually take and use. Like you can flip to a page. You can say, there's a principle, implement. Let me implement that. Let me apply this principle. Let me apply this step. Let me do something. So I'm really a strategist. I, I write about it. I speak about it. I consult about it. I do executive coaching about it. That's what I am. So a brand is about your expertise level. And you want to be clear about that. So a question from the audience. It says, can you speak a little bit about finding your niche uh, and expertise in your area? So how do you go about finding your particular niche and then becoming known for that niche? That is a great question. So one of the things I do first is I, I sit down with people and I ask them, what is it that you do so well that you know it like the back of your eyelids? That one thing, that one thing. So you may be like, for example, I'm in the industry of branding. However, branding has so many different dynamics. You got the creative, right? You got the the strategic side. Well, I knew I wasn't going to sit on the creative side, you know, the logos and stuff. That's not where my sweet spot is. That's not how my brain works. But I knew I was going to sit on the strategic side. So what part of the strategic side of branding will I sit in? So you want to understand what actually is it that you do well, that you enjoy, that you, if I woke you up at three o'clock in the morning out of a dead sleep and I asked you a question about X, could you answer it without, you know, having to go find a resource? That's the first place. So definitely the the key is start with where, who you are at your soul and what you're good at. Here's the other thing I'll say, don't worry about other people. Don't worry about what other people are doing in the market. Don't try to be like everyone else. You have to step into here is my me only territory. You never want to be in the me also zone because me also means they can find other people. There won't be any loyalty. There's no brand loyalty. Step into the me only zone, right? And then really drill down into that. What is it that I am really good at? What do I really enjoy? I could sit and do strategic planning for days on end. Day, just give me a cup of coffee and some water and I'm. you don't even have to feed me. I could, I mean, I gobble that stuff up. So what is it that resonates with you that you're amazing at and get very laser focused? Don't worry about everyone else and what everyone else is doing in the marketplace and all that other stuff. So that's the first place to step into is understanding who you are as a soul. Because remember, your brand has a soul. Your brand has a voice in the marketplace. When you're sleeping, when you're not present in the room, and if your name gets mentioned, if the name of your company gets mentioned or your logo appears, it has a soul and it has a voice. What voice and soul is being disseminated out in the marketplace? That all starts right inside with you. So the next question we have from the audience is, as you're developing a performance mindset, have you found you attracted higher quality people and greater opportunities because of that? 100%, absolutely. Until you, and, and here's something, right? We as We as entrepreneurs have to stop and take a very transparent look within. And you want to be so transparent and honest with yourself and say, all right, Natasha, with what you're doing, would you hire you? And you want to answer that from an honest place, not from that, of course I would. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Would you hire you behaving the way you are, thinking the way you are, producing the way you are? Would you hire you? And then you want to lean into what am I really amazing at? And do, do I deserve to serve people with my gifts? When you can, when you can get to that, your brain shifts. Because remember, what did I tell you? Business is good here in the mind. It's not good or bad outside. It's good or bad right here inside my mind. I remember when I first started, I would never dream of charging 
what I charge now for an hour of my time or for uh, just to consult with me, it was way off the table. It's not, not happening, right? I would never, even for speaking, I would never, I never even was there. I remember guys when I was, I was happy with getting $75 an hour and I was like, woohoo, score, made it. Yet still, when I came to the table and I delivered the service, the people that I was serving were making thousands of dollars off of the service I came off the service I came off of my intellectual property off of my skill and I sat down and I said okay wait a second there's an uneven like there's uneven here I'm only charging you $75 but with the information I gave you in that hour you just made 5000 that's a problem <laughs> right all these degrees that I have to pay for, all these degrees on my wall, they ain't cheap. I'm still paying for them. <laughs> That's an investment, right? So yeah. it's an investment. So you, you definitely in your mind, remember at all times, business is good or bad inside your mind. It's not good or bad outside. But, but how did you manage to stop shortchanging yourself? I mean, you said $75 an hour. And maybe you're now charging $300 an hour. I don't know what you're charging now, but how, I think most people undervalue themselves. They're afraid to ask for too much. Yeah. And so how did you figure out how to ask what you really were worth and how long did that take? I'll start with the last question. It, that took a while. Um, the first four years in, in business was pure hell. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and again, I was still thinking like an, an employee, right? And I didn't really understand. Um, so the first four years was was pure help. Let me tell you when the moment the light bulb hit me, like hit me so hard that I couldn't ignore it anymore. I was contacted by an individual and they were asking for, for me to help them with strategy. Oh, I'll take you to lunch and whatever. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. I like to eat. We went to lunch. And the gentleman sat, we were sitting there and he, we were talking about strategy and I'm literally like just pouring out all these great strategies. And he said to me, oh, geez, you know, I, I just love you. I love what you do. This is great. I'm not going to be able to pay you though. So, um, I just, you know, I'm so sorry. I can't pay you. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, I guess, you know, and I wasn't happy about it, but then I was like, well, he said he couldn't pay me. But at least I gave him my, my awesome skills. And I remember he said, oh, I almost forgot. By the way, do you know anyone that can do um, like a logo for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I can definitely. So I called up my logo associate and I said, hey, my graphic designer. I said, hey, can you, are you open to do a logo? It's a custom logo. And so I put them on speakerphone and they're talking and he's talking, oh, I need a logo. I need this, I need that. And I know what my graphics guy charges. And, and then anyway, he says, oh yeah, that's going to run you about $1,500. And he goes, oh, okay, great. Can I, can I send you that money now? <laughs> I don't have any money for you. I said, am I on candid camera? Uh-huh. And so I, I was totally punked. And I tell you, at that at that moment, that man zelled that my graphic fifteen hundred dollars Johnny on the spot. Now keep in mind, at the time, remember I didn't know much. My 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 price was low. I was only going to charge him seven hundred and fifty dollars. That's what my price would have been for the service he was asking for. He coughed up fifteen hundred dollars without the blink of an eye for a graphic design. I said, okay, I got in my car fuming. I was mad at, I was annoyed with him, but I was pissed with myself, pissed with myself. And I said, you know something, never again will that happen. That was the absolute defining moment for me where I realized I allowed people to devalue me. That was me. That was me. I did that. I did that by choice because I never required them to understand my worth and my value. I stepped into that. And so I took responsibility for that. And that's when I, I turned the tables and it was game game on ever since. We have a question from the audience. If you want to read all books about branding, it can take years as there are so many of them. As much as brands like Apple are amazing. How how a small business can learn from companies that spend you know tons of money on branding? How do you, how do small business owners supposed to acquire knowledge for a brand building? 
Do you think bootstrapping works for branding? Uh, no, bootstrapping does not work for branding. Uh, and let me, let me, and I, I completely. I mean, agree. I guess things are looking for an, a, a, yeah. a more efficient, lower cost way of building their brand because they're saying, hey, if you're Apple and you've got, you know, right. they have 300 billion sitting right. in the bank, easy right. enough. But what should she do? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Right. So the first thing I would say is with your brand, your brand will always be your guiding light. That's going to be that's going to be the thing that's going to set you apart. So you don't want to in terms of bootstrap, you can bootstrap up to a certain point, but no, you can't bootstrap too much. So let me let me kind of give it to you a little bit. I agree because I said earlier, every time I went looking for a brand book. It always talked about it started from the point of millions and up. It never started from 50,000, 100,000. It never started there. That's why I wrote Be Unleashed, right? That's why I wrote my second, my third book. That's why I wrote it. So what I would say to you is I would stop and here, here's practical steps. I'm gonna give you all practical steps, right? So number one is your brand is highly important. So therefore the same way that you pay your rent or your mortgage, the same way that you got to pay your water bill, the same way that you pay your cell phone bill, you need to now on, on your budget, you need to have a line item for your business. There has to be a line on the budget for the business. So here's exactly what I did. Number one, on my budget of how I'm going to spend to grow my business, I had a line item. I budgeted money for brand development, business development for my business. So every time I got paid, money went to that bank account so I can fund it. Now, I didn't start with this beautiful website and the beautiful logos or whatever. I started out with what I could, but I knew it needed to get better. So I funded it. I self-funded it and I knew I self-funded it. That's the other thing. My 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 current company and my other two companies are self-funded. I have not taken any investors or anything. This is the same methodology I did. When we start talking about branding, I want you to think of the strategic aspect of it. It For every one minute that you spend on strategically thinking through what you will do, who you will serve in your brand. You're saving 10 minutes on implementation. Convert that to dollars. Every $1 you're spending, you're saving $10 once you implement. So when you sit down, you want to sit down and be first, be clear about who you are, what you do, what you, how you represent. And then you say, okay, I need to fix the way I appear, my visual brand. I need to fix my visual brand. Fund the visual brand respectively. Now, don't go crazy. Like, you don't need to spend five, $6,000 on a website. Don't do that, okay? Don't spend three, four, five grand on a logo. Don't do that, all right? So be within reason, okay? And so you say, my visual brand is off, so I need to go and I need to fund it to clean that up. If you step back and you say, you know something, I have this beautiful visual brand. However, I my messaging is poor. Then you want to lean back and say, you know something? I suck at messaging. So now you got to fund the messaging part, which means I got to go find someone who understands content, who understands messaging, right? If you don't know how to implement with efficiency, you have to fund, let me go get efficient. Let me go get um, um, someone that can support me with implementation. Every time I invested in me, myself as a person, and also in the brand, my business grew and got better. There's absolutely no way I would have been able to be where I am today and where I'm going had I not began to think, let me fund it little by little, let me fund it. So if you need 5,000, how are you going to fund it? If you need 2,000, how are you going to fund it? But you don't have to do all of it at one time. Pick the most important and then drill it, drill it down. Does that help? I think it definitely helps. I think that's a good answer. Uh, one of the things I liked about your book is uh, I love when you wrote that a closed mouth doesn't get fed. I like that. When you talk about being your own best cheerleader, cheerleader how do you manage to be humble without being perceived as self-serving? You know, yes. Being yes, authentic. Yes. Yeah. You know, Okay, either you're a humble person or you're not, right? It's kind of like one of those things, right? If you're arrogant, you're arrogant. If you're humble, you're humble, right? It's one of those things. But here's what I will say. And y'all y'all are going to be like, is she crazy? No, I'm not. Let me tell you something. At least once a month, at least once a month, 
I read my bio out loud to myself. At least once a month, I, I, I rattle off the things that I've been able to accomplish at least once a month. You know why? It reaffirms me. Because on the days when it's going to be hard, on the days when you're getting no, no thank you, no, I want to cancel service, no, I need to cancel service, no, I don't want, stop calling me, or you just get the infamous click, yeah. <laughs> hang up on you, right? You need something to fill your cup back. You can't wait until you're completely depleted and empty, then you want to start filling up. You're too far down. So at least once a month and sometimes more, I will reaffirm me and I will read my bio out loud back to myself. I will read off my accomplishments back to myself. And you know what happens when I'm finished? It is a mess. I am ready. I'm about to conquer the world. But it reminds me of who I am. So no matter what, when I step out into the universe, those things do not define me. You see what I mean? I mean, and so then I, I'm, I also meditate, you know, I, I meditate in the morning. I do devotional in the morning. It grounds me. It really grounds me. And I, I am just naturally a humble person. The other thing I do is I, I still get my hands dirty. I still get my hands dirty. I will still pick up the phone and do cold calls. I will still do the cold emailing. I will still go out and do networking. Um, I will stuff envelopes. I will write letters. I will I will even lean in sometime and develop an email campaign. I will do it. I still get my hands dirty. For me, that's what keeps me grounded and humble because I am not so removed from things that I forget what it was. I tell my team, anytime I bring on a new team and things like that, I always, a team member, I always tell them, I said, let me explain something to you. There is nothing that I will ever ask you to do that I have not, and I will not do. So if I give you a task, I don't care how overwhelming or grimy it is or annoying it is or frustrating it, whatever. At the end of the day, always remember, I will never assign a task to you that I have not done or I will not do. That's what keeps me humble. So I keep my hands, I keep my hands dirty. So we have a whole bunch of questions that we oh. have to get through here from the audience. Okay. Natasha mentioned earlier that she's studying law. Any tips on how to balance branding yourself when you're only in the process, when you're only you are only in the process of learning and acquiring the new skills that you want to make your niche. So now yeah. you're going to become a lawyer too. Yes, so yes, yes. So for let those me... who are changing, how do they go and create that brand? <laughs> so um, again, through a, a place of intention, uh, this decision was very intentional. Um, there was a, a conversation I had with self that, you know, are you going to go get your doctorate or are you going to get your law degree? Right. And so this was the a decision. This was a very intentional decision because of, you know, what I'm already doing in the world. So to be honest, it's not, this is probably the first public, you know, Mark, you're the first public platform that I've even announced this on. So you got, you got the exclusive on it. Yeah. Got the exclusive on it. So um, me knowing where I'm going and how I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into and who I am from the very beginning, this is just a natural fit. So I don't have to rebrand myself because it's just a natural fit. The other thing is I would say is, um, when you're learning something, the best way to become the best teacher of something is to teach it. So when you learn it, you get a handle on it, teach it. Even in a small set, you can do it in a, a small webinar setting. Uh, you know, you can teach it to your team. You can just, just teach it. The best way to become a great teacher is to teach it. And the best way to solidify new information that you've learned is to teach it. That's the best way. I agree with you. I used to teach tennis and I teach at universities. And I find that it reminds me of everything that I might have forgotten. And it reinforces everything. So when you teach other people, it's a good way to reinforce it. Um, one of the people wants to know, what's the best way to stay in touch with you and your platform? And so uh, maybe we can, uh, you'll send me that and we'll send it out to everybody when I send them a copy of this. When a, another question is, when a startup is pitching to investors, what aspects of branding uh, should they keep in mind when talking to investors? So if you're talking to investors, what do you want to talk about when it comes to brand? 
Wow. 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 That's a loaded question. That's like a whole nother hour. I've actually done a lot of training on that. Um, when we're talking about investors, um, it, to be honest, here, here's what that really looks like. First of all, you have to know what it is they want. That's the first one. What do you want? And is it in alignment with what your company stands for? Right. And so when you're talking about talking to investors, there's a lot of work up front that needs to be done in the beginning. And the work is on your part. That work is, okay, who am I? This is the brand. Who am I? What do we do? What do we not do? Who do we serve? Where do we go? All that good stuff, right? And then you start looking for investors and who is in true alignment with who you are and what your message is and what you stand for. That's the first, first place. Then when you're talking to an investor, let me tell you what investors they don't want to hear about the fluffiness. They do want to hear about the soul of, of what's going on, but they also want to hear about the, the movement of what you're doing, right? And so, you know, that's just such a loaded question because that takes so much more uh, in, in time. But what I would say is when you want to talk to an investor, the first thing you want to know is why you need an investor. Why do you need an investor and for what purpose? Because if you don't understand what your why is for needing an investor, you'll mess around and give away way too many shares, way too many shares. And so if you don't know why you need an investor and needing an investor has to rise above the monetary goal, it must rise above that. It cannot be that you need an investor purely for money, because if you need an investor purely for money, then you're going to you're going to lose more than you're willing to give. So I would say definitely start there. Um, investors are investing into things that they like and that they love and that they're passionate about, but also that resonates with what they're doing and with what their portfolio is. That's why you have to know, well, what, what do they want? What are they focused on? Where are they going? So I, I can add on to this since I run the Angel Venture Fair and, and I've written a lot about this particular topic. Um, when it comes to investors, as um, Tasha's mentioned, they like to invest in things they understand and can add value beyond the money. And you don't want an investor who can just write a check, but doesn't can't open doors for you to help drive sales, doesn't know the industry. And if they don't know the industry, then when things don't go right, then they're going to be the first one that's giving you a call and driving you crazy about what's happened to their money. So it, it, it's a, a longer topic. And of course, you can always write to me and I can discuss that further for you. And we have speakers throughout the year to talk about exactly this. So the next question we have is, what marketing tactics did you find to be most effective for marketing your business and yourself when you were an unknown entity? Because it's easy for Facebook to go and market themselves now that they're a known entity. But when you're trying to market something no one ever heard of, right. what, what do you suggest? So I will tell you exactly what I did. Because you're right. When no one knows you, they're like, who? Natasha, who? How do you spell it? Yeah. <laughs> So I remember, uh, and even still to this day, the one thing I did not do, and I still don't do to this day um, as much, I do a little bit now, but not as much. I do not, um, I do not uh, prescribe to advertising my way into a market. So I don't do a bunch of advertising to go to enter a market. I actually show up. So I focus on relationship marketing to get recognized and to get known. And so specifically what I do is, um, of course, I'm, I will reach out to the people or the company that I feel is in line with where I'm going, whether it's an email, a phone call, or they're on Facebook or LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is a powerful tool. So, you know, use LinkedIn to your advantage, right? And so I'll reach out to them and I'll say, let's open the line. This is, you can use this because I haven't copyrighted the sentence. Let's open the line of communication. That's it. I don't want anything. Let's just open the line of communication. So when I say that, not only does that put down all the defense walls, but what it does on the other side is it opens up opportunity. Let's open the line of communication. Let's explore the possibilities for potential synergy. You drop those possibilities and potentials. So now there's no defense walls, no expectations. All you have is this clean slate of, let's just talk. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So I focus more on relationship marketing and I did not do ads. 
I, I didn't do ads in Facebook and stuff. I didn't have the money for that. I didn't understand it. I didn't want no part of it. So I didn't do it, but I did focus on relationship marketing. And again, like I told you, I get my hands dirty. I show up. I show up. I show up. I network. I will meet with people. We'll do virtual meetings, coffee meetings. I did the work. I established a relationship. Um, and at the same time, then we're able to step into something greater if the opportunity presents itself. The other thing is I am very good with following up with people because I absolutely care because I absolutely care. Like I really care about people. I care about their business. Here's the other thing too, but I keep my eyes open for people who don't share the same sentiments. So if all you want to do is take and you don't want to give, then guess what? This conversation, this relationship is ended. It's not going any further. So that's how I grew myself. Here's something I'll say. If you can, everybody started at one. Everyone started at one follower, one client, one everything, one dollar, right? Everyone started at one. And what I like to focus on is if you can do one, you can do two. If you can do two, you can do three. So focus on one at a time. If you say, well, I want to get into, or I want to get aligned with a large entity or a company. First of all, get, get, get in alignment with your why. Why? What do you want from them? And what are you willing to put on the table as well? Right? Because you got to put something up. So what do you want from them? And what do you want to put on the table? Then you can go ahead and start, you know, opening the, the line of communication. So I did not, and still to this day, we don't invest a lot into it. I have budget meetings and all that good stuff now. And I'm like, nope, we don't, we don't want to do that. I'm not saying I don't do any of it, but I'm very controlled with it. We spend more energy in, in content. That's another big thing. Content, 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 content is king. I know y'all have heard that content. You have to disseminate content because that is what the SEO gods love, right? Google bots, they love that content. You write an article, get a white paper, do um, a live uh, videos, do something. My goodness, get on YouTube, get on Zoom and, and broadcast it to YouTube, right? Put yourself out because when in this day and age, People will go looking, go looking for you. And if I go looking for you and I can't find you, you're not credible. You're not real. So when you get a site, when you get your website up, I want you to write articles. Get Even if it's a short 500 words article, get a blog up there, get something up there. But content is going to be the biggest thing. Um, I remember I, I was brought in to speak at a conference, not because I marketed to them, they were looking for someone that specialized in branding, specifically strategic branding, which not a lot of people look for, right? It was an, a blog that I, that I had disseminated. And also it was videos they found of me on YouTube. Content is king. So I, I don't do a lot of paid advertising. Um, my, my business model doesn't require that. I do some, but not a lot. I have a very, very small budget. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's what I do. I'm agreement with you and because I run a national com for American City Business Journals. And when I started this podcast, I had no idea that people would glam on to, to we now have people from 51 countries that listen in uh, to this. But you're right about that. That's helped. One of the things I thought I'd point out about LinkedIn is you make these great connections on LinkedIn, which I think is great. But if you think you're going to move the dial by joining LinkedIn groups and posting things, I found that. It, it moved nothing. And I remember when I interviewed John Chambers on the show and I told him, I marketed you out to 3.2 million people. And he goes, and you just wasted all your time with all those groups, the 3.2 million, because we'll be lucky if we have one person. He said, my people tried using LinkedIn groups and found they were a total waste of time. And I uh, tested it for about six months and I found we got no one. When I posted on my own LinkedIn with my own 12,000 plus followers, I got people who you know joined the podcast or read the articles or whatever. So yeah. I think you really have to study the medium and understand yeah. what that will do. Uh, you wrote this, another myth uh, that most entrepreneurs think, and I think this will be almost down to, we only have seven minutes left. Okay. Another myth that most entrepreneurs think uh, uh, they all need to do is send out email blasts and post on Facebook and buyers will come. <laughs> did you believe that when you did? Uh, did you believe that in the beginning? And what did you learn? 
Oh, heck yeah. Of course. I'm like, let me put this one post up. Let me send this little email blast out. And I sat there and the phone didn't ring. I was like, where the people at? <laughs> so you have to, uh, there's more to it. You got you, you to gotta put a little bit more sweat equity into it. And like I said, you just have to show up. You got to show up. Um, show up on LinkedIn more than just throw a post and disappear. Engage on it. When you um, do email marketing, you actually need to have a plan. Like what's your, what is your email marketing strategy? Every in August, we used to do this in October and we moved it up to August. My company, we go away for our strategic planning week. And I all I do is we do heavy deep dive strategic planning. What is going to be our email marketing focus for the year? What is going to be our annual promotions? What products or services are we working on? Are we launching or, or are we retiring? What product do we need to give more attention to? Where, where are we going to show up? What companies are we going to align with? What type of promotions, if any, are we going to have, right? So I, you know, every August, and as a matter of fact, our strategic planning week's coming up in a week after next, we disappear, we unplug for the whole week, and we deep dive into how are we going to show up for the next year and the year after, right? And so even down to what's our content strategy, and there's a principle that I teach my clients and also that I practice called 12 and 4. And 12 and 4 is, and y'all might want to write this down um, if you so choose, 12 and 4 is where you sit down and you write down 12 high-level topics. And then under each main topic, you want four subtopics. Right there, you got a whole year's worth of content. A whole year's worth of content. Okay. And that is that is what I call my 12 and 4 content um, development. It's a brain dump, right? It's really a brain dump. Brain dump. You don't 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 keep trying to think of stuff today so you can post tomorrow. Like write your content down for the whole year. And that's the quickest, easiest way. 12 high-level topics and four subtopics. So like, I'll just throw a quick example out. I know we're down for time, but Mark, if I need to not, just let me know. Um, here's a quick example, real easy. Let's, oh, dogs, let's talk about dogs. So your main topic is what? Dogs. Okay, give me four subtopics about dogs. Breeds, it, um, the type of dog in terms of what's better for which type of family structure right? Also, what about um, things that you need for your dog? Beds, bedding, right? All that good stuff. Also, maybe what about training? You got a whole, that's a whole month worth of conversation. That's a month worth of social media posts. That's, a, that's articles. That's five articles. You're done for that month. So if you just duplicate this, you got a whole year's worth of content. And now you don't need to think about it. So let me ask you this as a, a final question. We only have a couple minutes left. What was the biggest mistake you made and what did you learn from it? Oh, goodness. Okay, let me pick one because <laughs> all the mistakes made, right? Let me tell you what the biggest mistake I made. The biggest mistake I made was in the very beginning, I borrowed, I think I borrowed, I think it was $20,000. I borrowed $20,000 as a loan from a financial institution. Let me tell you why that was a mistake. I borrowed that money, yet I did not have a plan for what I was going to do with each and every dollar. And because I borrowed that money and I didn't have a clear strategy for how I was going to deploy every dollar so that I could get a return on my investment, that $20,000, poof, went up in smoke. It didn't serve me. It didn't do what it was supposed to do. And I still had to pay that money back. It was a loan. So that was one of my biggest mistakes um, that, that I can tell you um, was I borrowed money without knowing how I was going to deploy every single dollar. So I actually don't um, encourage people to use borrowing money as um, a way to get the, the, the business up and business off the ground and stuff like that. I, I believe that, you know, and my father, may he rest in peace. My father taught me, you got a product or service and you need money, go sell it. Yeah. Uh, and your dad had, by the way, a lot of good wisdom that's sprinkled throughout your book. Okay. I think we have this one last question that we can fit in. Sure. Um, uh, Natasha, the person asked, Natasha, who writes your content, a professional copywriter or a branding specialist, or do you just do it yourself? So I do, I, I tell you, I get my hands dirty. So I will write my content myself, but I also have my team and I have content writers on my team. 
So I do have that. However, I do guide the 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 direction of the content. So remember 12 and four, because that's you know, I use it. 12 and four, they know what the focus is, what the content is, so they know what to write. And then I will also write uh my own content as well. And it's imperative that you find a way to learn how to write your own content. Why? It's your intellectual property. Get it out of your head. Remember. If you can teach it, you're a great, a better teacher. You may not write it pretty. Getting someone to make it pretty is one thing, but getting the concept out of your head is another thing. So get the concepts out of your head, get your principles, get your, get your manifesto out of your head, get your methodology out of your head. You can go hire someone to go make it pretty. You just need to get it out of your head. That's what's going to make you really have that content structure behind you. Because if I can write about it, I can speak about it. No question. Natasha, you were awesome. I think all these folks could have spent all day with you. (laughs) And I'm sure as your ex is watching your great success, he's now like the hot Harry Potter wife's husband, right? (laughs) What was I thinking as he's living in a car now? Well, enjoy your weekend and everybody enjoy your weekend. We all look forward to seeing you next week. Our next week guest is going to talk about artificial intelligence. This guy's a genius uh, that's going to be talking about this. So look forward to all seeing you all next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Best Business Minds. Tune in every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time for our live recordings. Go to www.thebestbusinessminds.com for more information and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter to be kept up to date with our upcoming guests and other bonus material. See you next time.